Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Power Play podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kyron Powell. How are you, Kai? I'm good, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, I'm it's um, going okay, thank you. It's a bit of a grim weather situation at the minute in England, as I spoke to you, as I've mentioned to you many a time. So, how are things in the Caribbean? Yeah, um, it, it wasn't great a few days ago. There was um, a tropical storm. Well, I don't think that was a tropical storm from the damage it done, but it was categorised as a tropical storm, and um, the weather yeah. was quite bad. Um, we flew through it to get here. Um, so Hayden Walsh, my team, was actually on the same flight as me, and. We came off almost in tears and probably wet, wet um, back end of our trousers because, like, we swear to God that we were about to die. And the guy that was sitting next to me on the plane, look, I ended up holding his hand. I was like, "Oh, yep, this is this is definitely how I'm gonna die." So, um, no, it's it's not been great the past few days, but it's a sunny day out today, so um, I've got a practice session in a few hours, and hopefully, we can get some cricket in over the next week leading into the tournament. Yeah, and, and how how is the prep going ahead of the Super Fifty? Yeah, it's not been great, as I said. Um, the the trial matches. So, um, I got in late. Um, obviously, yeah. had some stuff to do with Emma, and so we got sort of a extended personal leave to attend to those things. Um, and from since I've been here, it's pretty much rained. I think maybe three out of the four days that I've been here so far. So, um, got like some hits and stuff. Obviously. <laughs> The trainers always find a way to get fitness testing done, um, <laughs> which is ironic. But now we did we did fitness testing this morning. We did some skin falls and stuff yesterday. We've got more fitness testing tomorrow. Um, but just just looking forward to get into the cricket sort of things, yeah. you know, especially at this point with only a week left before the tournament. You know, yeah. I just want to start hitting some balls, obviously, in this climate and this side of the world, and get used to the pitches again. Yeah, of course. Obviously, the last time we spoke, you was obviously over here playing for Ashstead and stuff. So. And at the start of the season, you're talking about how you're having to adapt to the, the slow wickets and slow things, and you go back and, and stuff. So it does take a bit of time to get used to a few bits. Yep, it does. It does. But um, obviously, being from the Caribbean, it's it's easy to address yeah, just that way. So um, no, I just I'll just need a few days out in the middle. I should be fine. Is that what is, is that something you want to do? Is it just rhythm sort of thing, hitting balls, or how what sort of gets you going a little bit? Yeah, it's it's sort of um, a volume thing for me. Um, right. So I just hit X amount of balls. Like once once I'm hitting X amount of ball, amount of balls on a daily yeah. basis, I'll be fine. And again, something for me. I mean, ideally, if it's on a pitch, um, that is like the perfect world. But even if I I can just get into a concrete strip, I'll just get some full tosses lobbed at me and just, right. just feel the rhythm. Like once I'm getting that rhythm, it's 
all about the volume and I'll be fine. Yeah, no, cool. So I said the main the main thing we wanted to talk about today was the World Cup, which started yesterday with yeah. an emphatic victory for New Zealand beating England. Um and uh, Pakistan played today. Um so who do you see as being the favourites for the tournament? So I've got sort of five teams. Um I've got <laughs> yeah, no, so this is this is how I categorize. I think any of these five teams are the ones that are gonna make it to the semifinals. Right, okay. That, that's India, Pakistan, Australia, New Zealand, and England, maybe? England, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking he's going to leave that out on purpose here. Or? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I think between those five teams, um, that, that's where the semi-finalists and obviously the eventual winner is going to come from. I think that New Zealand is an amazing tournament team. Yeah. Um, if you look at their history, they get very deep into tournaments all the time. And again, you look at their performance against England in the last match, it just goes to strengthen my point that yeah, um, in a tournament situation, and you still didn't have a Kane Williamson, a Tim Selby, a Ish Selby playing, and they won with 13 overs to spare. So that's, yeah. you know, it was a testament to them. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. A ridiculously good way to start a tournament. And I think that, you know, we talk about tournaments and momentum and things like they've come out the charts flying. And it's a big, big, big thing to get that confidence going and thinking, you know, we're in that right direction straight away, really. How yeah. do you, as a player, how would you go about adapting to to a tournament? And how do you sort of um, go about conditioning yourself to make sure that you're, obviously, with it being a little bit, more, not as necessarily fast-paced as it sometimes can be, but like, how do you prepare yourself for a tournament style of cricket? Well, it's it's sort of finding your rhythm, your your balance, sort of um, yeah, your whole routine. So even things that people don't necessarily think about, because obviously the the average fan just looks at what's happening on the field. But your yeah. practice routines, your gym routines, your sleep patterns, what time are the matches being played? What time do you want to wake up? What time do you want to fall asleep? Yeah, to think up with the hours of play, um, your meals. Obviously, this World Cup there's been a lot of talk going on about the amount of travel that's yes. been um, asked of guys and, and teams in this World Cup. So you have to factor in the fatigue from jet lag traveling all over India, which is a pretty big country. Yeah. Um, and then having to still go and get your fitness working, your strength and conditional work in your cricket practice and all that stuff in. So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's about guys, whichever team sort of strikes that balance yeah. and Dero has sort of maybe a better travel schedule and is able to get an upper hand on, on opponents that way i think will sort of go further yeah because i think based on that top five that you mentioned the five teams i think england are actually the only team that don't play in the same city twice yeah. um, and that's what they were sort of saying how that's going to be having a big impact real well not a big impact will definitely play a part really in the fact that, of the rest they're not going to have that sort of maybe day off where it might just be a case of feet up. Their day off might be traveling from, you know, one city to another. So I think that will have like an impact, um, you know, potentially on that. I don't want to make any excuses from an English perspective, but I think it's, that could be pretty tricky. Out, out of that five, who do you see as the ones that stand out as a from a pressure perspective in terms of they've got, I know obviously India, obviously the host. Uh, do you believe that they are, they're probably the, the, the favourites as such to win it. 
I think so. Um, obviously, there's pressure being the host nation. Um, you're playing in a country that has a billion people and everyone is sort of switched on to this tournament, expecting and hoping for India to yeah. repeat what they did in 2011. Um, so, I mean, you've got Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli, two of the very best audio players going around at the moment. Um, yeah. One just went past 13,000, the next one just went past 10,000. Yeah. Between them, they've got almost 80 audio centuries. So it's like, you know, crazy numbers between just the two of them. Um, perfect timing for them getting Jasper Bumrah back when yeah. he did and the way he's bowling at the moment as well. Yeah. I mean, Mohamed Siraj taking off and looking not even near to what Jasper Bumrah has displayed, which is just mind-boggling for the strength of the Indian team. Yeah. To be able to bring in someone as experienced as Ravi Chandran Ashwin when Axel Patel goes down, you know, it's yeah. just a plethora of options that they have yeah. at their disposal. Yeah. Um, which makes them such a a hard team to beat over 50 overs. I mean, obviously, P20 it sort of brings teams closer together, but once you have such an extended period of time that they can make adjustments within the game and obviously regroup yeah. and regroup and regroup again. I think India sort of stand out at the moment. Um, but having said that, you, you if England have a good day, obviously, I don't think they're as strong as they were in, in the last World Cup, they don't seem to have that same bowling potency. Yes. Um, they're missing Duffra. I mean, Sam Curran, as good as a cricketer as he is, Chris Wilkes and all of them, um, that extra pace, obviously, we know what that does to batters. Um, likewise, you know, the, the, the absence of Ben Stokes was definitely felt in that batting unit. Yeah, but said all of that, I mean, New Zealand chased it down with 13 overs to go, and that was too... 180, so that would have been asking England to make 400. Yeah, well, um, in an ideal world, so yeah, I think those two teams are the ones that stand out. Pakistan and New Zealand is sort of a dark, dark horse type of you never know how far they could get, but they can do something if given the opportunity. Yeah, I think you were saying there about that England's sort of pace attack. I think that's where the management of Mark Wood will be quite interesting to see how they get him to, which games he plays in and how they look after him to make sure that he is ready when required in certain, uh, you know, certain grounds might be a bit more pace so he'll have to play in that. There might be some that are a bit more subjected to a bit of spin potentially. So they might leave him out for that one potentially, I suppose. So I suppose when it, like we discussed at the start, like it's from a tournament perspective and, Traveling to different places, it's trying to figure out the balance consistent consistently to get the best sort of side out as well. I think England will miss definitely did miss Stokes, regardless of the outcome of yesterday's game. The experience that he has will ultimately be a benefit to any side, regardless of of, of the format of cricket. I think it'll be interesting to see the how Root goes. I think he's been under pressure a little bit based on the trying to fit Harry Brook and Harry Brook into the side. Um, whether they, whether they go with Harry Brook or whether they go, with, you know, ultimately they're going to probably, be, you know, be happy to play Ben Stokes because of the quality of player he is. But I thought the knock from Joe yesterday was showed the importance of having, you know, everyone always talks about the firepower when it comes to to white ball cricket, especially, and I think it showed the importance of having that glue in a in a side to make it work for the likes of Livingston to come off and and the, whoever it may be. And I think that's when you look at Australia. Steve Smith will play that similar sort of role. Williamson will do it in the way that for, for, for New Zealand and things. Um, how important do you see 
that sort of role being in this 50 over format, especially in this tournament now? I think it's imperative. Every team has someone that does it. Um, I think in England's case, obviously, Joe Root hasn't played much 50 over cricket over the past, let's say, year and a half, two years. So it's more of a, you saw that in that series that they played against New Zealand in England before the World Cup, and it's sort of a momentum thing, like getting back familiar familiarity with the 50 over game because he hasn't played it for so much and, and understanding what tempo he needs to go at. Um, I think having a file like Ben Stokes, when he comes back into 11, will help. Um, you see the way Kane Williamson and Steve Smith do it for their countries. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. I think um, someone that um, goes, I guess, not mentioned enough um, on the upper echelons of, of cricket, I'd say that does that role and did it absolutely perfectly was Shea Hope. Um, not just picking him up because he's our client, but um, <laughs> you know, he's got 15 ODI centuries in like 110 one day matches that is absolutely phenomenal you know and he just literally just played that same role as those guys and his game has gone to another ne another level now where he has accelerated the his his strike rate um which i mean obviously only bodes well for him and and for west indies cricket moving forward but um specifically back to this world cup i think that that role is something that every team has to identify someone who can go and do that sort of eight out of ten for them because the way that one day cricket is being played nowadays so much more positive um so much more ultra aggressive you saw with england that when they lost those wickets you still needed someone who had the ability to have a solid technique and bat and rebuild and repair an innings at a healthy strike rate as well so that the game didn't get stopped but the game was still moving along even it was it wasn't a runner ball but it was still strike rate of 80 strike rate of 90 you know something that was still acceptable and allowing the guys at the back end to, to sort of launch but they just lost too many wickets consistently but i think joe root's role is in like it's it's something that is of absolute importance in this england team yeah no i i, th I think obviously i completely echo exactly what you said there um, and it highlights that and throughout that tournament period you'll see the importance of that person who will happily go at 100 110 120 strike rate and allow the rest of the lads to be you know to play that aggressive and dominant role um i think it's like a i suppose it is a stereotypical point to make in india how do you think the role of of spin will play a part in this world cup in comparison to say in england and in australia for the, in the last world cup i think it doesn't matter where cricket's being played. Um, good good spinners will find a way to have an impact yeah. on the game. And this this is a World Cup, so you're talking about the 10 best teams in the world, um, whether we like it or not, it's 10 best teams in the world, I'm sure, at the moment. And so these, these spinners will find a way to have an impact on the game. And obviously, with there being so many venues, there may not be as much wear and tear as if it were four to five venues, um, but they're still going to be wearing tear as the tournament goes on with the pitches. So the scores will come down and spinners will come into play more and more as the tournament goes on. And another thing that will impact spinners' impact on the game as well is the time of day that these matches are being played. Normally in India, the day-night matches do start a bit later and the due takes effect. Right. So the team, the team chasing virtually is 
assured of having better batting conditions and generally win nine out of ten times. But now it sort of brings more parity to the game um, with with start times being a lot earlier and bringing all of the options into play for longer for both teams. Wow, so it's really interesting, really interesting point you made there. I suppose like like you said, from not necessarily from uh, an, you know from a normal cricket perspective, you don't take in, potentially don't take into consideration those aspects of of uh, you know from the Jew and, and that side of things. Um, from a, from a tournament perspective, uh, we're talking about related to batting here now. If you in the early stages into the first two group stage games, is it a good thing that the games come quick and fast, or if you start struggling with form, how would you? How would you, from your perspective, how would you go about trying to get yourself back into a bit of nick or a bit of momentum ahead of with them being so quick fire and it being the tournament as well? Well, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there. It, it sort of depends. If you're on a good roll, then you do want them to come quick and fast. Yeah. Um, individually and as a team. But if you're not getting off to a great start, you've lost maybe one or two games, like you, you do sort of hope that you get a bit of breathing space for guys to sort of just take things down a bit, um, get away from cricket, just clear their heads mentally, um, refocus, refresh, and, and find a different approach. So it just depends on how teams and individuals start the tournament, yeah. um, what they would prefer personally and collectively as a group. Um, generally, you, you sort of, like, tournament play, it, it once once those first few games go, you sort of find, like, it just sorts of, steam rolls down down a hill so everything just moves really quickly yeah. um, the days go by really quickly and by the time you know you're almost at the end so it's something that you do want to preferably individually and collectively start well so if you have a slip up in the middle you can still make amends at the end as opposed to having a bad start and being under pressure to go win 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 or score 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 wicket 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 yeah. throughout the, the tournament in terms of uh, obviously it's a different white ball format the, the, the IPL and the, the T20 stuff but some of the t some of the teams in South Africa and some of the top players in South Africa some of the lads in, in the Australia set up um, and also the, the Indian lads have, have all played in these IPL tournaments how much will that be a benefit to those lads who played in a lot of these grounds in a lot of these conditions a lot of the crowds side of things how much will that play a a part in you know being a benefit to them i would say it would benefit them but i would say it's not only just the guys that would have played in the ipl because right. more teams tour india now india plays such a high volume of cricket yeah um, true yeah well apart from unfortunately maybe pakistan and the netherlands every other team they would have toured india and would have vast amount of experience playing in India and all these various grounds and conditions and stuff. So um, I think India more so than anything, because of the volume of cricket that is played there, whether it's internationally or IPL, as you said, like more so than anywhere else in the world, that should be pretty much a second home to all international players because of the amount of times that you'd have to go there and play whatever league or series it is. So. I think guys should be well versed and comfortable playing in those conditions and know what what to expect and how they're going to go about executing. And how, I kind of want to touch a little bit more on England. How would you be as captain if you if you was in Josh Butler's 
choosing the fact that you probably England are probably coming to the to the tournament as potentially second favourites or third favourites, give or take. Um, and then they've obviously had that real sort of dressing down yesterday. Uh, how would you feel being, being in, in Joss Butler's shoes there? Uh, I don't think that they should take it too hard. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to lose at the end of the day, um, especially in a World Cup. But it's it's literally just the first game of the tournament. Yeah, There's a lot more cricket to be played. And I think that from my observations, the England, currently they, their strength is their batting. So they would try and tailor things towards them, obviously bowling first, where and if possible. Yeah. Um, again, having said that, they still miss the likes of Stokes. Um, and they still got 280. And let's be honest, their batting didn't come off anywhere near to what it potentially could. So there's a lot of positives um, to take away from that match, from the England team. It's not like it's a doom and gloom situation. You've got very experienced, very destructive guys, um, Johnny to Joss Butler, Moin Ali, all these guys. So, I mean, they'll, they'll know how to bounce back. These are all guys that not just experience international players, but experience IPL players as well. So yeah, going back to our previous topic of playing in India, these guys will know what it takes to come back from a loss and how to sort of play and formulate um, wins or, or try and create con um, conditions or situations for them as a team to come out winning more often than not. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think that from my perspective, I was, you know, watching the game. I just felt that there was a little bit, England left a lot out there in the fact of starts. I think when me and you spoke in the summer, we spoke about, we talked about the Ashes and stuff, and it was like getting into 30s and 40s and giving your wicket away and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, Root getting to 70, but then not kicking on and bare sort of top of the order, you, you know, yeah, he was, he was, aggressive and stuff but he's like go on we need to go again and you get on you know Bersel gets that 70 or 80 then Root gets his score and then lads at the tail towards the end can then make it to that 350 360 sort of score um but I think that you mentioned there about like especially Stokes but uh, Moeen Ali I think that again this is just my opinion I think it's going to be really important this tournament the likes that the, the, the all-round and I'm sorry not just this tournament but tournaments in general that the all-rounder sort of plays um, I think um, Ravinder, who obviously got his 100 yesterday, he, you know, he got 10 overs out as well, left arm spin, and Jadeja will play a massive part in it. Maxwell at times for Australia will, you know, will bowl his off, you know, get his off spin in. What, how, how important do you think is the all-rounder from the balance of a side perspective, again, you know, in one-day international cricket? I think in any format it's important, but I think that, what people undervalue is the role of specialists. Um, right. Once the specialists are doing their jobs and doing it well, then the all-arounder then can gloss off and polish off any little faults or any little um, things that didn't go well. But if you have specialist bowlers, for example, you're playing four specialist bowlers and you've got two all-arounders to sort of make up 10 overs between them, but two of your main bowlers having a terrible day then you're putting your all-rounders at risk of exposure of bowling much more overs than you'd want as a team and then the opposition then have a chance to score um, bigger scores and you know things like that 
sort of alter your game plan of how you're going to chase, etc. So I think it, it, it mostly comes down to the specialist, whether it's a batting side of it or the bowling side of it, and just making sure that they're executing and taking the game deep from their ends so that the all-arounders don't have as much or as much work to do or have to have that big of an impact on the game. Right, okay. Okay, so now I'm going to push you into a quick little bit of question. You, you said you narrowed it down into five. Yeah. I want one winner. Who you fancy? Who's your pick? If I had to pick, I'd, right now, I'd yeah. go India. Um, obviously, just because they're home and they know the conditions better than anyone, the composition of their team. Um, and I, I just think that Rohit Sharma is probably the best captain in the tournament. Okay. Obviously, Virat Kohli is Virat Kohli. I don't need to say anything else apart no. from that. Especially with, you know, this is probably going to be, well, this definitely is going to be his last World Cup. If he's yeah. playing the next World Cup, that would be amazing. Um, so to cap it off with a World Cup win, to have won two World Cups at home, yeah, uh, nothing would be better than that. And we know his competitive drive. So. India, right, okay. Can't really argue with that. I don't think, to be honest with you. I think from if I was if I was to pick, if you was to ask me the same question, I would go. I think I'd have to go with India. Although I was ex- prior to yesterday, it's easy to say after yesterday's game. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think New Zealand have got a fantastic chance. I really, really do. I think they've got that mentality of like you mentioned at the very start of winning games in tournament cricket. I think they've got fantastic balance. I think at the top of the order. Um, I think, like you said, we've talked about the, the, the role that Kane Williamson play. Well, well, sorry, they will play. Um, Glenn Phillips, the role that he'll play will be, you know, massively important there as well. So, I think, I think that as the tournament goes and teams will start to pick up that momentum, um, I think we'll have a lot clearer idea in terms of who we see, um, you know, making a statement. I think England, a lot, I think England will bounce back as well. I think that that will probably be a little bit of a kick up. The arse in terms of them, you know, thinking, right, okay, yeah, we are defending champions. We're not going to go out here um, in a in a, in a disappointing manner. We want to be competing across in every single game and and hopefully they're all thereabouts at the end. Because I think that, that when it comes to match winners, I do think England have got some match winners in the title, obviously. Um, but obviously some of the other sides have. I wanted to go back a little bit and ask you a little bit, what's your first... What's your biggest memory from World Cup when you were growing up? What was your, your first memory in World Cup cricket? Um, I remember seeing Saeed Anwar make 100 against India in the 2000, was it 2003 World Cup? I think so. In South Africa? Yes, it was. Zimbabwe, yeah. Yeah, it was the most magical innings I've ever seen. And that, like, he was my favourite batsman at, like, from since that day. Like, he was just yeah. so... Evie on the eye, it was just a languid, fluent hundred, and yep, that's that's I could say the first memory of World Cup cricket that I can clearly remember. No, fantastic. I think I, I do want to obviously touch on it. Obviously, I know it's sentimental from the perspective of um, it's just disappointing, obviously, not to see the West Indies in the tournament. Um, you know, the the what they bring. And uh, the atmosphere that, and the way that they are, it's just disappointing. How, do you see uh, changes being made to hopefully bounce back and, and, and appear in the next World Cup? 
changes have to be made. It's it's not a matter of if or do they want to. Like it's now at a point where, for the first time in the history of fifty over cricket, the West Indies are not qualified um, for a fifty over World Cup, and I think that that's a deeper rooted issue than than the players. If that makes sense, you know, it's yeah, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot to do with sort of structurally as as an organization as an entity um cwo need to sort of have a clear path of how they want to take west indies cricket forward um in my opinion and like i've so i i i sit at home sometimes like because west indies cricket is very dear to my heart and everything that i've gone on to achieve outside of cricket in life, um, in business. I met my wife because of cricket, you know? Um, and so that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And we've gone on and built a great life together. We do so many different things and all of that comes from cricket. So to see West Indies cricket in this state, knowing what, it's done for me. I've I've traveled the world. I've you know met so many different people, so many friends, so many opportunities, and it it genuinely hurts to see West Indies cricket in this state. Um, and as I was saying, no. So I'm sometimes at no. Like I sit down and I write um, different plans of what I think could help West Indies cricket. Um, and I mean, we we have. The answers within, you know, it's just for people to, I guess, sort of listen and be open to ideas from others as opposed to thinking that any one man or any one small group of individuals have the answers, you know, because, I mean, when you look at it, we've got players, we've got some of the greatest players that have ever graced the face of the earth, and they're not necessarily involved in West Indies cricket at all or to a level that, in my opinion, they should be involved. You know, these guys need to be on retainer contracts and be working with regional teams and the West Indies team and, you know, helping to understand and cultivate the next level of talent within the the Caribbean and continue to grow and improve the standard of cricket. Because when these guys die, pass away, all that knowledge is gone and we're never going to be able to extract it again, you know? Um, and then where do we get that level of information from, you know, where do we get to understand Viv Richards's work ethic and why he did this and why it meant so much to him, how he did it. Where do we get to do in like further in-depth insight into Lance Gibbs? how he was able to do what he did when he did, you know, and there's so many other great West Indians that are just doing whatever they're doing, wherever they are. Um, And obviously guys go off into the world and have their own lives to live, etc. But you don't necessarily need or have to have a guy around for seven days a week. You know, if you have these guys come in maybe two days a month you're talking about we have so many different legends that collectively it all makes a difference and we're all working towards getting with indies cricket back to where 
it should be and making the region feel proud because if if we're seeing these cricket dies and you know I've heard lots of people talk about things like having individual islands represent themselves and if West Indies team can't represent and win, and that's the best talent from the region, the best talent from the islands are not as good as the best talent from the region. You know, so that's yeah. it's, it's literally the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. Yeah. Like the best talents from the islands are not at all. Like even if you take away, let's say whatever island thinks that they're the best, you take them away and let them play on their own against the rest of the West Indies. The rest of the West Indies will win. Yeah, you know, so these things like people really need to think a bit more in depth about what they're saying, and obviously the finer intricacies of like all these things of going on your own as opposed to being playing for the West Indies. Um, so I know I know it was a bit of a a long rant there, and I, I could go on for hours on this because I mean it means so much to me. But I, I know that speaking with you as well, I I know how much it means to you. I know how much how passionate you are and it's not a rant it's just you it's you giving your opinion of something that you feel so strongly about yeah. you know your you openly said last time we spoke on the first episode about if you wasn't to play for the west indies you wouldn't be i wouldn't play cricket you know matt is your your desire your passion to still represent the west indies is as clear to see as 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 ever and it just goes to show the importance that it means to you to sort of do that. So I don't think it is ranting. It's just something it's you, you're just expressing your opinion on something that you feel so strongly about. Yeah, 100%. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, with the World Cup here, is that, yes, I, I appreciate that the Netherlands have done everything they've done to deserve that, and no one can take that away from them. But um, do... Do we do we want to see the West Indies back in tournament cricket playing at the highest level? Absolutely, because the legacy is there. You mentioned the greats of the game; that's where it's come from. They've you know they've competed in the at the highest level of these top tournaments, and they've done what they've done. And I think that we, you know we do want to see the West Indies back in that respect. And I, I don't I, I don't think it's a million, in my opinion anyway. You, you, I, I don't think they're a million miles away from 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 that. I think it's hopefully just around the corner, and with you know with the a structure in place and the right people in the place hopefully you know we can see we can see that happen and things but hopefully you know a bit more funding comes in and things like that and they can get a bit more um support to, to make it happen and things because well it's it's the west indies at the end of the day nothing can change what's the, what the history books and that's why they should be playing in the world cup and things so that's my little two pennies on it <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> exactly anyway well thank you very much anyway for tonight it's been good to have a, a a chat about obviously your stuff that's going on with the super 50 and and um discussions around the world cup and what it's like to play tur you know tournament cricket and the favorites and with india and the balance of sides and stuff so i hope you've all enjoyed it tonight and thank you so much kai you you, you know your your knowledge and your insight into the game is it's really really good and i love listening to you mate Thanks, Jordan. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, sweet to see you, mate. See you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Power Play podcast, hosted by Kyron Powell and Jordan Shannon. We hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business, exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present. 
alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play Podcast. <laughs>